In the book of Habakkuk this morning, zero back in, would you? Habakkuk chapter number 2, and we're going to read verses 1 through 3. Habakkuk writes, and he says, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. Then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. As I was praying uh, this week, I just felt impressed of the Lord that I needed to, to talk about our vision at the Grace Place. We've got a lot of brand new people, and you need to know what our vision is, and... and uh, and then we got a lot of people that you've been coming for a long time, and maybe you just need that vision stirred up and renewed, and, and uh, rem- you just need to be reminded of the vision of the Grace Place. Father, I just thank you that we do have a vision. I thank you, God, we have not only a vision, but an unbelievable, incredible, awesome vision, a vision that I am so excited and thrilled about. God, I just pray today, Lord, as we endeavor, Lord, to minister the word of the Lord. God, I just pray, Lord, that, that, God, you'll resonate, Lord, this message in all of our hearts here today. May the anointing of the Holy Spirit enable and empower me today to effectively communicate the word that you would have to be shared today. Give us ears upon our heart today that we might receive, but may we not only listen and, and, and hear today, but God, may we put into practice, Father, in a very practical manner, in a practical way, Lord, what we receive today. All of these things we ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. All of God's people said, praise the Lord. Well, you may be reseated this morning. Well, we understand that Habakkuk was one of the eight minor prophets in the Old Testament. And he sought God for vision for his people. Now, I believe that we can learn much from this man. I believe we can learn much as it relates to seeking God for vision in our lives personally and for our church. So this morning, I want to call your attention to two, three things that I see in these verses that we read a moment ago and, and how that they relate to us, the Grace Place family. The first thing that, that I noticed in, in this passage that I read a moment ago is I, I noticed the inquiry. I noticed the inquiry. It's found in verse number one. He says, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart. He said, I will watch to see what he will say to me. You see, Habakkuk positioned himself to hear from God, and that's huge. Now, 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 some of you might think, well, you know, you know, a pastor every once in a while is telling, tells us about times when, when, when he's heard from God, and I, I hear other ministers talk about hearing from God. Why, why, why is it that I never seem to hear from God? Well, it might be because you do not position yourself. You, not, you do not place yourself in a position whereby that you can hear uh, what the Lord would say to you. 
Here's what I've learned about hearing the voice of God. I don't know everything about, about hearing the voice of God, but, but, but I have learned a few things, and here's what I have learned about hearing the voice of God. Number one, I've learned that to hear God's voice, you must shut out all other voices. Maybe if you're not hearing the voice of God in your life, it might be because there are too many voices uh, that are screaming in your ear. Because to hear God's voice, you must shut out all other voices. Habakkuk isolated himself. He got alone. He got by himself. See, here's what we need to understand this morning, and that is that Satan will always tell us how bad we are. You can count on it. The devil will always tell you how bad that you are. And our friends, they will always tell us what we want to hear. Our friends, they will always tell us what it is. They know what we want to hear, and they are there for us. And it's awesome to have support from friends, but our friends will always tell us what we want to hear. And our enemies will always tell us that we can't do whatever it is that we are trying to do. So to hear God's voice, we must shut out all other Voices, And the only way this is possible is if we get alone, if we get all by ourselves, if we shut ourselves in with God and seek Him with every fiber of our being. I can personally testify that on those few occasions when God spoke something uh, very uh, uh, specific and very significant uh, to me that, that drastically affected me, affected my family, affected my ministry. Every single time, it was at a time when I was all by myself. It was at a time when I had shut out all other voices. It was at a time when I had sought God with my whole heart. And such was the case with Habakkuk in verse 1. Let me suggest something else. To hear God's voice, you must be patient. If you're going to hear the voice of God, if God is indeed going to speak into your life, you must be patient. Because, you see, God never gets in a hurry. God never gets in a hurry. Somebody asked a minister one time, what, what, what's the matter? He said, I'll tell you what the matter is. He said, what the matter is, he said, I'm in a hurry, but God's not. If you're going to hear the voice of God, if you're going to hear God clearly, uh, you must be patient because God never gets in a hurry. God will never uh, get in a rush, you, and you cannot rush God. No matter what you try to do, you cannot, you cannot hurry God along. You, you cannot rush God. You see, God will speak when, where, and how He wishes. And then let me suggest also this morning, to hear God's voice, you must be willing to hear what He really says, not just what you want to hear. See, some of you think God's not speaking to you. God is speaking to you. You're just not listening. Because what God is saying to you, you do not want to hear. I remember uh, as a little boy going to grandma and grandpa's house. Now, my grandma and grandpa were as different as night and day. My grandma was a doer. She was always busy, 
always busy. She was either crocheting or she was uh, shelling pecans or she was making something or she was uh, working in the kitchen or she was canning or she was all the time. They were, they were retired, but Grandma was always busy. And Grandpa was always sitting. He liked to spit and whittle. And he had sat there and chew his day's work, uh, chewing tobacco and spitting into a can. And that's about all I remember my grandpa ever doing. And I would be sitting in there with grandpa, and I would hear grandma in the kitchen, and grandma would say, Pop. And grandpa would just sit there. And a little bit later, I'd hear grandma say, Pop. And grandpa would just be sitting there. And about the third time that she said, Pop, Grandpa would look over at me and give me one of those little sly grins like, you know, I hear. <laughs> yeah, you see, he heard her all, all along, but he, he knew that she wanted him to do something, and he wanted to sit there and spit. <laughs> and finally, after about four or five times, Grandma would not say, Pop, she'd say, Joe! My grandpa heard the, his name Joe. He knew he better get up and find out what in the world grandma wants. To hear God's voice, we must be willing to hear what he, what he really says, not just what we want to hear. Because you see, God doesn't always say to us what we want to hear. But let me tell you this morning that when God speaks to us some things uh, other than what we want Him to say to us, this is where trust comes in. And this is where we have to believe that He loves us. This is where we have to believe that, that He knows what's best for us. This is where we have to, to, to understand that this is just another piece of the puzzle. And when all of the pieces of the puzzle are put in place, uh, it will work out for our good and it will work out for His glory. That's what it says in Romans 8 and 28. Second thing I see in this passage as it relates to vision this morning, I see the instructions. Verse number two says, Then the Lord said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets, that he may run who reads it. Notice three things God tells Habakkuk about vision. The first thing God tells him is God tells him to capture it. Capture it. He said there, write it down. It was in August. It was in Phoenix, Arizona. It was a few years ago now. I was attending the General Council of the Assemblies of God. My wife didn't want to go that year. My son said he was going to go with me, but he bailed out at the last minute. So I was there all by myself. And I was alone in my hotel room, and I, I decided that since I'm all by myself, since I'm alone, since I'm, uh, I'm away from home and I'm by myself, I'm going to use this time to seek God. I'm going to use this time to inquire of the Lord as to the future of the church, as to what God wants to do uh, in my ministry and in my church uh, in the future. And as I was all alone in my hotel room seeking God for the future of our church, it was then when I heard God speak to me. It was not an audible voice, but, but it was very clear in my spirit. And I heard God say to me, call your church 
the grace place. Call your church the grace place. I, I, I quickly grabbed my Bible and I opened my Bible uh, and I wrote uh, uh, in the front of my Bible, I wrote the grace place. The grace place. See, I've, I've learned that when God speaks to you, you better write it down. I've had some incredible messages come to me in the middle of the night and I was too lazy to get up and write it down and next morning, I, oh man, why didn't I write that down? That was awesome. And so I wrote it down. The grace. Now, I wasn't sure what this meant. I didn't know, would this be a new name for, for, for our church? Was this a new slogan? Was this a, a, a new vision statement? I wasn't sure. I just knew uh, that I had heard God say, Call your church the grace place. Now, I didn't tell anybody about this for months, literally for months. I didn't even tell my wife. I didn't tell anybody about it for months. I just prayed about it, and I just meditated on it, and I just sought God about what he had spoken to me. I knew he had spoken to me, but I wasn't clear as to what he wanted me to do with what it was that he had spoken to me. Fast forward many months, nearly a year from that time, and, and I heard God speak again. Once again, I was by myself. Once again, I was all alone. Once again, I was trying to hear the voice of the Lord, and this time I heard these words, caring people, caring for people. I think that's pretty awesome. I'm not that good. I'm not that clever. I'm not that creative. No amens, please. But I heard these words, caring people, caring for people. So I quickly grabbed my Bible. I opened my Bible, and below the grace place, I wrote these words, caring people, caring for people. And as I, as I looked there, and as I saw that, I had it resonate in my spirit, and I knew our name, the name of our church would change to the grace place, and our vision would become caring people, caring for people. And I cannot tell you how much this vision has captured my heart. In 42 years of ministry, I have never been more convinced of God's direction for the church that he has called me to lead than I am right at this very moment today that we are to become the grace place and that we are to be caring people, caring for people. I've never been more excited about the prospects of, of where this vision could, oh, could lead a group of people if only we would unite under the vision, if only we would commit ourselves to the fulfillment of the vision. Oh, oh, hear me this morning. This vision must capture our heart. We must write the vision down, not just on paper, but it must be written down in our Notice the next thing God says to Habakkuk about vision. He says, after you capture it, he says, then clarify it. Make it plain, he said. After you capture it, then clarify it. Make it plain. You see, the average church in America today has 89 people in it and is shrinking in size. That's the average church in America today. I believe one of the major reasons for this is lack of vision. 
Proverbs 29 and 18 says that where there is no vision, the people perish. And churches are shrinking today and getting smaller and smaller and smaller because, because they do not have a vision, amen, of what God wants them to do. Now, there are other churches, they have vision and they're still shrinking or floundering, but, but the reason is because they have failed to clarify the vision. They have a vision, but they have failed to clarify. They have failed to make that vision clear. So God said to Habakkuk, write the vision, but he said, then make it plain. Don't just capture it, but after you capture it, then clarify it. So that's what I want to do for a few moments this morning. I want to clarify our vision at the Grace Place. Our vision is caring people, caring for people. That's our vision. Caring people, caring people. For people, let me suggest five things that we do here. We don't do everything here. That's another reason why some churches struggle is they try to do everything. We don't do everything here. We don't try to do everything here. We're not supposed to do everything here. There's a particular reason why that we are here. There's, God has us here for a specific purpose, but we're not the only church in town. We're not the only church that is building the kingdom of God. We need to understand that. There are five things that we do here because we care. We can say caring people, caring for people all we want to, but what does that mean? Sounds good. But what does it mean? Well, let me suggest five things that we do here because we care. Let me suggest, first of all, because we care. If we're caring people, caring for people, because we care, number one, we include. I'm preaching better than your amen in this morning. We include. You see, our desire is to be inclusive, not exclusive. See, we are colorblind here at the Grace Place. We're colorblind. And let me tell you that if you are prejudiced, you're not going to have a lot of fun around here. If you're colorblind, you're not going to fit in here very well. Because, I mean, if, if, if you're prejudiced, you're not going to fit in here very well because, because we're colorblind at the, at the Grace Place. I mean, we don't care if you're red, yellow, black, or white, polka dot, or pinstripe. We don't care. You're loved, you're accepted, you're welcome here. It doesn't matter if you're white collar, blue collar, if you have ring around the collar. I worked hard on that one, come on. Our vision is to be inclusive, not exclusive. Listen, we love you whether you are a part of the down and out or whether you're a part of the up and out. John 3.16 says that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe upon him would not have to perish but could have everlasting life. Jesus said, whosoever, whosoever. It doesn't matter what your color. It doesn't matter what your creed. Amen. It doesn't matter what your nationality. It doesn't matter what your social standing is. Jesus died for everybody. And if Jesus died for everybody, then you and I at the Grace Place must open our arms and whosoever will may come. 
Jesus had called the poor, the maimed, the blind, the halt. And he said, you do that and you will be blessed. We're caring people, caring for people. Because we care, we include. Because we care, we involve. See, you don't have to be a spectator here at the Grace Place. Don't have to be a spectator. Don't have to be a bench warmer. You don't have to just sit there and watch everybody else perform. And I say to you that if you're willing to let us help you discover your gifts, talents, and abilities, and if you're willing to work within the realm of these gifts, talents, and abilities, let me say that again. If you're willing to let us help you discover your gifts, talents, and abilities, and if you are willing to work within the realm of these gifts, talents, and abilities, you can become involved in one of our ministries at the Grace Place. Because there's a place for you and a place for your ministry right here. You see, God hasn't called any of us to just sit sour and soak. I was thinking about this week, thinking about a sponge. If I was Pastor Steve, I'd have a sponge up here, Pastor Steve. Well, just think about it. I've got one here, okay? But a sponge has two functions. One function is to take in. But it can only take in so much until it has to be wrung out. See, too many church people only function in the taking in process. And God wants us to take in. That's what you need to be doing right now. You need to be like a sponge this morning. Amen. You need to be soaking it all up. You need to be taking it all in this morning and get as much as you can possibly, possibly hold. But your job is not finished in just taking in. But then once you have taken in through worship and through praise and through prayer, oh, and through teaching and ministering of the Word of God, once you have taken it all in, then it is your job to go out of the doors of this church and it is your job to let God take you and wring you out. And the things that you have received this morning and what has been absorbed in you this morning, you're supposed to take it the rest of the week and you're supposed to let God take that sponge, take you and let him wring you out. And what he has put on the inside of you, he will wring it out. And he will give it and spread it out to the people that need what you have taken in. Amen. Amen. Again, God wants us to take in so that we have the right stuff in us. That we can, he can wring, wring us out on others who need what we have taken in. I have recently... Uh, hired Pastor Sean to help us identify and include and involve more of our people in ministry and to involve them in ministry and ministries that parallel with their God-given strengths. 
Paul writes in Romans chapter 12, verse 6 through 8, Paul writes, he says, in his grace, God has given us different gifts. Say different. God has given us different gifts. My gifts are different than yours. Your gifts are different than mine. God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. Say certain. Not everything. I don't do everything well. You don't do everything well. But everybody does something well. Everybody does certain things well. Because God has gifted you so that you can do that certain thing well. Not everything well, but a certain thing. God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So, if God has given you the ability to prophesy, then Paul says speak out with as much faith as God has given you. He said if your gift is serving others, then then serve them well. He says if you are a teacher, teach well. He says, if your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. He said, if it is giving, then give generously. He said, if God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Amen? We're caring people, caring for people. And because we care, we involve. But not only because we care do we involve, but because we care, we instruct. I'm giving you the vision of the Grace Place this morning. I'm telling you what we are all about. I'm telling you what we do here. And because we care, we don't just say, I care, but because we care, there are certain things that we do to prove that we care. And one of those is we instruct. Discipleship is very, very important to us here at the Grace Place. We have awesome kids and youth ministries here. And we've invested thousands of dollars in facilities, in equipment. We believe in kids and youth. We have awesome kids and youth ministries here. Whether it be Sunday morning children's ministry or whether it be Royal Rangers and Impact Girls and Next Level Youth. All of, the, all of those ministries taking place on Wednesday night. The adult ministry on Wednesday night is dedicated to discipleship. Some of you I never see except on Sunday morning. And I'm not going to chastise you this morning, and I'm glad that you are here this morning. And you're being discipled this morning. I'm discipling you today. I disciple you every single Sunday. But let me tell you that we have a design at the Grace Place, and it's not only discipleship on Sunday morning, but it is not discipleship on Wednesday nights. we got Royal Ranger boys leading Royal Ranger boys to Jesus. If you actually do, and ours, ours do, the, the ministries of Royal Rangers and Impact uh, Girls Clubs, if you actually do those ministries, man, I mean, it's almost like going to Bible college. And I've, we've never had better leadership and never had better leaders and teachers and workers than we've got in place right this very moment. It's part of our vision. It's part of the fact that we care. We care because we care. We care about your children. We care about your teenagers. And mom and dad, we care about you. And I'm not going to chastise you for not being here on Wednesday night, but I want to encourage you. And I want to challenge you. I know you're tired. I know you're weary. I know. I know that you work hard. Listen, listen, my staff and I, we work hard too. I know you don't believe it, but we do. 
few years ago, I met one of my members. And well, I said, I got to go. I got I to gotta get to work. And the member looked at me and said, huh? I said, I got to get to work. What? I got to go to my office. You, you got an office? You, you go to work? No, I just get up on Sunday morning and yell at people. Seldom do I, am I not in my office seven days a week. Sometimes I'm there eight, ten, twelve hours. Sometimes I'm there just for a little while. But almost every day you'll find me at church for something. I got a job, my staff. We, we're all busy. We all work hard. But listen, let me tell you that, that I'm, I'm tired and I'm weary too, but I need to feed my soul and I need to learn, amen, uh, how to live for God and learn, amen, how to be pleasing to God. And so I show up on Wednesday night that I can be discipled through our discipleship classes. So elective classes are offered with, with godly, dedicated, quality, qualified teachers leading these, these classes. We, we are caring people, caring for people, and because we care, we instruct. My sermons are designed to be very practical in nature. Pastor, are you a preacher or a teacher? I'm a treacher. I teach with a preacher style, so that makes me a treacher. My sermons are designed to be very practical in nature. I, listen, I, I could spend 45 minutes every Sunday morning telling you how to get from Dan to Beersheba, but guess what? Nobody's going there. So I endeavor to preach biblically sound messages that not only inspire you, but that will also instruct you on what the Word of the Lord says and instruct you on how to live your everyday life and how to be pleasing in the sight of Almighty God. We're caring people, caring for people. What does that mean? Well, because we care, we invest. We invest. You see, we don't just care about our people, we care about all people. And because we care about all people, it bothers us. It bothers us that we, that, that we hear about Jesus every Sunday morning and every Wednesday night, and yet one half of the world has never had an adequate presentation of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That bothers us. It bothers us that we have 12 Bibles in our house and half of the world has never seen a Bible. It bothers me that I've got every Bible you can get in my library. I've got uh, access to every commentary, amen, available to me in all kinds of study helps. It bothers me that I've got all of this to glean from and all of this to help me in my ministry and yet there's a host of pastors of churches overseas that don't even have a complete Bible, amen, in their native language. That bothers me. Because we care, we prove it by investing in missions and missionaries and ministries. And because we care, we have a missions dream. I call it Dream 135. The one stands for one million dollars. Say million. One million dollars. The three stands for three million souls. Say souls. 
Three million souls will come to Christ. Three million souls will go to heaven and will not go to hell as a direct byproduct of our one million dollar investment in missions. The five stands for five years. It will take us five years to gather one million dollars together. We are currently in year three of this five year dream. And each year for the past three years, we have invested over $150,000 a year in missions. That means that over 1,350,000 people have come to Christ. 1,350,000 people, amen, will go to heaven and will not go to hell because of the investment of our church the last three years. We're a little bit behind in our goal But as God adds people to our church every single week, and as these people uh, get on board with our vision, we can reach our dream. I said we can reach our dream. We can do it. We can do it. If you believe that this morning, give the Lord a hand clap and shout of praise today. Pastor, you talk about numbers, you talk about breaking barriers. Right now we're trying to break the 400 barrier. And yes, Brother Reichard, you're right. When we break the 400 barrier, we're going to go for the 500 barrier. And when we break it, we're going to go for the 600 barrier. Amen? When we give a million dollars to missions, we're going to go for two millions. When we give two million, we're going to give five million dollars. Oh, Pastor, you just never stop. Do You just never stop. Oh, you're just doing it to feed your ego so you can go to the district meetings and put your head up and get your little plaque or your little trophy or little whatever. I'm going to tell you something. There was a day, honestly, many, many years ago when that meant something to me. It doesn't mean one little lick of thing to me anymore. I don't care if I get a, uh, get a, a plaque. I don't care if I get a trophy. Hey, Amen. I don't care if everybody knows what I give. All I know is I've got a world that's lost and dying and going to hell. And all I know, amen, that is I can do something for the kingdom of God. I can't do it all, but I can do something. And I know that every new person that comes in is a potential person to be become a part of my dream and a part of my vision and help me fulfill. Yes, I want them saved. Yes, I want them discipled. Yes, I want them blessed. Yes, I want their families blessed. But I want to tell you that everybody that comes through these doors, we can get them on board with us. Amen. Can you imagine what we can do? Not that we can brag and say what we've done. No, 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 no. So that we can actually have an impact. I don't know about you, but I want to be about part of something great. I want to be a part of something great. I am a part of something great. It's getting greater. Amen? Amen. That's my motive. God knows my motive. You may not. You may not believe it. That's your problem. But God does, and I do. And I'm motivated. Amen? And God's going to help us get there. He's going to help us get there. Amen? Hallelujah. Mark 16 and 15, go into all the world. How much of the world? Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. How many? every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. I'm out of time but not out of message. Because we care, let me suggest that we inspire. We're caring people, caring for people, and because we care, we inspire. Sunday morning is designed to be a celebration. I'll never forget years ago, a man came to me from another church. He'd been coming for a little while, and after church, he told me, he said, Pastor, I can't tell you how awesome it is. I come in this church, I leave this church feeling better than when I came in. I said, well, Pat, 
isn't that the way it's supposed to be? He said, well, it might be the way it's supposed to be, but it's never been that way for me. He said, where I came from, man, I mean, he said, wow. He said, I'd come in there feeling pretty good, and I'd be, I'd be lowering a snake before I left. So it's awesome to come in and sit through service and leave feeling better than when I, when I left. <laughs> he also told me, I shouldn't say this, but he did. He said, you know, he said, I'm used to airplane, uh, airplane preachers. He said, you're a helicopter preacher. I said, what do you mean, Pat? He said, well, most preachers are, 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 are uh, airplane preachers. He said, they have a long runway. And then he says, if they finally do get airborne, he said, they stay up there a long time, and then usually they circle the field about three times and then crash. He said, you're a helicopter preacher. He said, you just jump up there and preach and you just shut up. <laughs> well, I'm getting to be more like an airplane preacher every day. Amen. We inspire. Sunday morning is designed to be a celebration. The worship is designed to bring glory to God and inspiration to his saints. Oh, oh, we pour out praise on him and then he pours out his spirit on us. Oh, my messages are designed to, to mix inspiration with biblical information. Oh, oh, I seek to inspire you to please God in the way you live. Oh, oh, to inspire you to love your families in very practical and tangible ways. To inspire you to handle your finances with wisdom and integrity. Oh, to become, oh, I, I try to inspire you to become a generous giver and an incredible investor in the work and in the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ. God said to Habakkuk, write the vision, make it plain. He said, capture it. He said, clarify it. But he said, after you capture it and clarify it, then he says, circulate it. Circulate it. He said that he may run who reads it. See, it's not enough to capture and clarify our vision at the grace place. We must also circulate it. We must flesh out what God has placed in our spirit. Oh, oh, we must put into practice what we articulate with words. So may I challenge all of our new people to capture our vision, caring people, caring for people. And may I challenge those of us that have been around a while to recapture the vision as well. And may I challenge all of us this morning to circulate our vision, to flesh out our vision, to embrace what I have clarified, which is because we care, because we care, we include, we involve, we instruct, we invest, and we inspire. Three things I see in our passage today at Habakkuk. Chapter, three, chapter 2, verse 1 through 3. First of all, we see the inquiry. The second thing we see is the instructions. And finally, and very, very quickly, I'm going to do it very quickly this morning, the increase. I see the increase, verse 3. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end, it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it. Because it will surely come and it will not tarry. Three things about a true God-given vision. And then I'm done this morning. Let me suggest, first of all, according to the word of the Lord in Habakkuk, number one, it's gradual. Gradual. It's for an appointed time. The vision God gave Habakkuk was for the future. The vision God gave me for this church was for its future. And God gave it to me gradually. At first he said, call your ch- church the grace place. It was nearly a year later that he said, caring people, caring for people. He didn't give it all to me at once. And a true God-given vision comes gradually one piece of the puzzle at a time. 
wish I had more time this morning. Let me quickly go on. Not only is a God-given vision gradual, but it is also grueling. He said, though it tarries. See, God-given vision for us will include difficulty. Let me tell you something. Not everybody's going to march in your parade. Opposition will come. Persecution will come. Hardship and sacrifice usually accompanies God's vision. And let me tell you that it never happens as quickly as you want it to or think it ought to. But not not only will the increase be gradual and be grueling, but listen, it will be great. It will be great. The Bible says at the end it will speak. It will surely come. May I tell you from personal experience, there's absolutely nothing more satisfying, there's absolutely nothing more fulfilling than to accomplish an assignment that was given to you by God. On March the 26th, 1990, 2 o'clock in the morning in Elk City, Oklahoma, God spoke to me, Harvest Time Church, Midland, Texas, Odessa Highway. That was 1990. Today is 2014. If you'll go out to Midland, Texas, you'll find Harvest Time Church. You'll find it. It's in Midland, Texas. You'll find on the Odessa Highway. And I'm going to tell you that there's nothing more satisfying and fulfilling than to accomplish an assignment that was given to you by God. And I can tell you that I've never been more excited and more thrilled in my entire life, my entire ministry, than the fact that God said, call your church the grace place and caring people, caring for people. And I want to tell you that it is happening. It is taking place. Everywhere I turn and everywhere I look, I see caring people, caring for people. I've got care ministers that are beating me to the hospital. I've got care ministers that are, invi- that are, that are uh, telling me about the, about the needs of my people. I'm telling you, folks, it's happening. It is happening. It is taking place. Amen. Caring people are caring for people at the grace place. Amen. Oh, there's nothing more exciting, nothing more fulfilling than to walk in God's will. Oh, nothing more exciting and fulfilling than to work within your God-given assignment. Nothing more exciting, nothing more fulfilling than to willfully obey God's vision for your life and for your ministry. Oh, will the increase come gradually? Absolutely. Will the increase be tested by grueling circumstances and difficult situation at times? Oh, no doubt. Oh, but because of the seeds that you have sown along the way and because Because of you watering and fertilizing those seeds that you have sown. And because of your faithfulness to wait patiently for the harvest. Let me tell you this morning that the harvest will be great. And the increase will be great. Give the Lord a shout of praise in his house today. Would you stand with me this morning and just give the Lord a shout of praise. The worship team gets back in place very quickly. Come on, let me hear a shout of praise in this house today. I believe that we can learn much from Habakkuk and his search for God's vision for his people. Hopefully you have captured God's vision for us at the Grace Place today. Remember the story of the man that was sick and paralyzed and four of his friends. Somebody got the idea of going and getting a cot and they put their friend and they took their friend to Jesus. Because of the cooperation of these four friends, 
working together. Can you imagine if one wanted to go one direction and the other wanted to go another and the other, another, another? They would just pull the cart apart and the man would have fallen. There's probably more than one way to get to Jesus. Probably more than one route. Probably more than one idea. But before they started off, they lined up under a vision. They lined up after a, under a direction. And everyone held up their corner of responsibility and everyone did their part and everyone went in the same direction and because they were all on one page and they were all within one vision they got their friend to where Jesus was and they got him healed let me tell you there's a lot of good ideas in this room I'm not the only one that can have a good idea but listen mine's not a good idea it's a God idea I'm not bragging about it I'm just telling you it's a God idea and you may think you have your idea listen listen let's forget good ideas let's go with the God idea Amen? And there's more than one way to get there. But if we all go a different direction, none of us are going to get there. The way we're going to get there is if we all get on in one mind and one accord, we all get together under one vision and go in one direction. And if we all do that, if we all do that, amen, everybody finding their place and doing and using their gifts and talents and abilities, all put together and all united for one effort and one vision, can you imagine? Listen, we're going somewhere. We are going. Look around here this morning. Look around. Amen. You're, some of us can remember when our church could fit in a choir room. That's what we had Sunday morning church in, a choir room. Amen. Let me tell you, there's about, about five times that many people here this morning. Amen. About five times that many people. God is up to something, amen, and I want to be a part of this vision and be a part of this dream, amen. If it's your desire this morning to be a part of this vision and be a part of this dream, I just want you to just take a step forward and just come up here this morning. We're going to worship the Lord, spend a little time in His presence before we leave here today. But come on, let me just see you. Just take a few uh, steps forward saying, you know what, I'm in line. I'm on board. I'm excited, man. I'm on board. I'm going to do my part. We're going somewhere. We're a part of an incredible team going somewhere. God is taking us to an incredible, incredible place. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Amen. Thank you, Jesus.